Hello, this is Matt and Freya. You might remember us from such podcasts as Small Movie Podcast. Well, we're back with a brand new show. Introducing the Royal Philharmonic Chainsaw Massacre. A brand new podcast where we will discuss the latest movie news, review films old and new, and take a deep dive into the film by asking challenging questions such as... Why is Limitless called Limitless when there are actually limits to his Limitlessness? Or, who would you cast in the remake of? Limitless? Sorry, I, I recently watched that film and I've got it on my mind. Other films will be discussed on the show. So join us soon for our brand new All Singing and Dancing Film Podcast. Only available everywhere. From Liverpool, we need to talk about ghosts with Kevin Eustace. Yes, it's wonderfully time for us to celebrate the wonderfulness of ghosts. What was that? What an intro. Anyway, at the start there, you've heard a promo. Don't normally do promos, but of course, that's for the wonderful Matt and Freya. I expect big things from them this year for their new podcast. I always nearly get it wrong. and I always want to say Red Hot Chili Peppers, and that's definitely not what it is. The Royal Philharmonic. Chainsaw Massacre, RPCM, baby. It's a movie review podcast, and it could be up even now, episode one, so go and check it out. They're wonderful people, and they're going to have a hell of a year, I do believe. Anywho, back to the paranormal. How are you all doing? Which is the mainstay of us podcasters to ask. I wonder if any of us actually care. Hmm, I know I do. I'm not like the others who just pretend to say it. I'm joking when I say that, by the way. I'm sure everybody cares. It's just interesting because I listen to a lot of podcasts and every podcaster to a T says, I hope you're all doing fine. And of course they're going to. They're not going to say, I hope you have a miserable week. Maybe they will. I don't know. Maybe there's a goth podcast out there. I realized this week that um, I'm a goth. Yeah, it dawned on me uh, on one of the Patreon rambles that I've done. I was just rambling away. And um, I realized that I dress all in black. Um, I like heavy metal music. I've got two paranormal podcasts. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty much a goth. So I've decided I'm going to pop down to the courts where the goths hang around in Liverpool and be like, hello, I think I'm your new leader. And they'll be like, no, you're not. You were a blazer. And I'll be like, smart goth. A smoth, if you will. Um, But yeah, I'm a goth. That was devastating news. I also had trouble trying to get into my laptop now because I've done that thing, which everybody does, I'm sure, where you... It says, enter your password, and you go, okay. Like some sort of crazy pianist. And it says, no, 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 you've you've done that too fast. You've done it wrong. Have another go. So you go, okay. Still fast. And it says, no, you've still done it wrong. Tell you what, we'll give you one more go. So then, like some nimble ballerina, one letter at a time, tap, tap. Because nobody wants to be locked out of anything, do they? You can get a locksmith for your house, not for your laptop. I mean, you probably can. I don't know. I'm not very tech savvy. Anyway, let's talk about some spooky stuff, shall we? Yes, I think we shall. Thank you first and foremost for... Sorry, I needed to swallow then. For um, everyone who got in touch regarding Tony's episode last week. It was phenomenal, wasn't it? It really was. I, I, I've listened back to it three times just because it scares me. And it's very rare. Although all of your stories scare me, don't get me wrong. But it's rare when I involve myself in a story, as in if I'm talking about it or if I'm saying it, I'll go back. Because I don't like listening to my own voice, believe it or not. And um, yeah, but even I've listened back to it three times because it put the fear of God into me. 
all of his sightings were exceptionally visual. Yes, they were. But don't worry, we have a fantastic episode. No interview this week, but we're going back to your stories, which is fantasimo. Fantasimo, which is both fantastic and it makes coffee in the morning. So, um, also, yeah, I did, uh, there's a few reviews of Seam and they've been dead nice, but some have been like, it takes a while to get to, to know Kev's sense of humour. So, I'm going to try and, and this isn't me looking for, oh, maybe I should stop, but I am going to try and curtail it a bit because it is a paranormal podcast at the end of the day. Somebody hysterically, and fair play to them, um, left a review that said, WTF is this, oh no, it didn't even say that, it said, the fuck is this, and said like, I'm eight minutes in and he hasn't talked about goats, and I was like, you know what, I get that, and that too would annoy me, because although I talk like this, I'm not too sure if I put on another podcast and the guy was like, oh, washing machines have legs, I'd be like, oh, fuck off, get to the ghosts. So I am going to do something about that. It'll have to be like an osmosis sort of thing where it happens over time, because I think it'd be a bit too strange if next week I'd done one ramble, one, one sentence of, so this week I went to shops. Anyway, ghosts. Um, so yeah, so I'll still be me, but I'll maybe tailor it down to 11 instead of 43, which you're apparently is set at. Um, okay, I'll tell you what we haven't done in a while. Week in Weird. Week in Weird. Yes, it's back. It's Week in Weird. Huzzah! And this week, this very week, yes, we have a story of two actors who have found, and that's in inverted commas, because one of them's Lily Allen, but you know, um, who have seen a ghost in a place in London whilst doing a play. Yes, and they've seen that ghost in none other than the Noel Coward Theatre. That didn't really work. Anyway... So, this week, this is taken from the Daily Star, obviously a veritable truth bomb. Um, Former EastEnders actor Jake Wood claimed that a ghost has been haunting Lily Allen's dressing room at the Noel Coward Theatre. The actor, 49, and the singer, 36, are currently starring in the petrifying play, 222, A Ghost Story. And while the pair have been acting out their otherworldly goings-on in the West End, the spirit of Sir Charles Wyndham who built the iconic theatre, thank you very much, in the 1900s, has been spookily playing, paying a visit to Lily's dressing room. Jake said, apparently the Noel Coward... He's not a woolly back. Hold on. Jake said, apparently the Noel Coward Theatre is haunted. The guy that built it, Charles Wyndham, still haunts the stage. And, um, yeah, oh, God, he says more. Damn. If you see him, he walks across the stage and goes into the dressing room downstairs, which is fine, because that's Lily Allen's dressing room. Oh, the cad. So there you go. A haunted theatre. Lily Allen herself being terrified by something other than her record sales. Okay, until next time, this has been Week in Weird. Week in we are back and before we get to the spooky stuff we need to say thank you to our two new wonderful patient patient patreons shauna swabrick and amanda lay and if you want to become a patreon and get access to over 150 extra shows just for patreons go to patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts that's patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts now let's sing a lovely thank you song for these two wonderful ladies The guitar is indeed out. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shauna Swabrick, MNLA. 
you're really helping keep the lights on today, today. And I wanna say thank you. I wanna say thank you. I wanna say thank you for keeping the lights on today. Ended it on a seventh. Yes, indeed. Get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts and have all the fun that's to say, to say, have all the fun that's going on over there. And we are back finally with some spook. Tell you what, that review had some credence, didn't it? But I'm not asked. Anyway, this first email comes in from Freya, not Matt's Freya. Same saying, but spelt differently. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Becca. Hi. And the neighbor's cat. I've been listening intently to your podcast for a while. Well, thank you. I started getting into ghostly podcasts during the beginning of lockdown when I was put on furlough. Yes, I think a lot of people are in that situation, actually. I've been wanting to send you my handful of little stories for a while now, but haven't plucked up the courage as I fear they may not be as interesting or spooky as other stories you share. Freya, how dare you? We always want to hear every piece of paranormality. I did toy with the idea of asking if you'd like to do a Zoom call, but I'm a bit of a chicken, so I thought I would share a couple of stories and see what you think. Well, I've already replied to you, actually, Freya, and said, yes, we should do a Zoom call pretty soon. So, here goes nothing. This is Freya's story. My first story comes from my parents. When I was a little girl, roughly two or three years old, we moved to a new build estate in a little Welsh village called Goulsfield. My parents thought this was their forever home and loved it dearly, as did I. Whilst living at this home, strange things started to happen and seemed to centre around me. I was a very, what my mother calls, free-spirited child. I always hated being indoors, couldn't stand having my hair in anything but braids, and would tell people I talked to dead people and that I was buried here, pointing at a random grave. Safe to say... My parents rarely took me to christenings or weddings where a graveyard was involved, but what creeped them out the most was that I had started talking to invisible friends. My parents referred to these friends as my friends in the wind. One friend in particular was called Henry, and he was a particularly attached friend who did not like my parents. Apparently, I would babble away to Henry about all the fun things we did to my parents, but things started to turn a little more sinister after a little while of living with Henry and his mates. When I was being bathed, my parents would walk to the airing cupboard, which was just outside the bathroom, to grab a nice warm towel for me. On a number of occasions, the bathroom door would slam closed and lock itself. My dad would try his best to unlock the door from the outside, banging on the door, shoving at it, everything he could do to get to toddler me in the bath. Eventually, it would open and I would be sat in the bath giggling, No wet footprints on the floor, no bubbles on the door handle. There wasn't any way I could have locked the door by myself. Henry took a particular dislike to my dad. On one occasion, I'd been put to bed and my dad was in his bedroom getting ready to go downstairs and relax for the evening. All of a sudden, a splash of cold water was poured down my dad's back, out of nowhere. My mother was downstairs already and myself and my little sister were tucked up in bed. From then on, Henry and my friends in the wind were asked to leave every evening after tea. My mother and I would walk to the front door, open it up and wave them off for the evening. My parents even had the house blessed to try and rid the house of my friends in the wind. We moved away from that home when I was 11 years old. 
and my second youngest sister arrived and the house became too small for our growing family. And let me tell you, the house we moved to in Welshpool will haunt mine and my family's nightmares for the rest of our lives. I wish I was exaggerating. I will save those stories for another email, or if you like, I will suck up my fears and maybe do a Zoom call with you to discuss them. They include all sorts, from a soldier whistling in my family's current home to phantom dogs haunting my dad. I really hope you enjoy my stories of my spooky childhood and now my spooky adulthood. Lots of love, Freya. Well, thank you, Freya. That's terrifying. And you can't just tease things like that. Hence why I emailed you back and said, yes, let's arrange a Zoom call ASAP. I say ASAP, but it won't be this week. But um, sometime in the next couple of weeks, we need to get you on to do that and find out all about these haunting dogs that seem to be chasing your poor dad. Hmm. Anyway, thank you, Freya. The next email is very short, but sometimes even tweets can be scary. Although this is not a tweet, it's an email. And it's from Angelus, and they write, Hi, I'm a newest listener after finding you from RLGS. Ah, Real Life Ghost Stories, great show, go check it out. Anyway, this is just a really short email. It involves my stepmom, and she's had a few little things happen in their house. They live in a semi-detached in New Brighton, and when I was a kid, I used to sleep over. I could never sleep, I'd just cry. I was about 13, so an age where you shouldn't really be crying alone in your room, anyway. Once, when my stepmom was hanging out the washing, she felt something shove her. She was physically shoved and tripped a few steps forward. Another time, she was walking in the hallway, and she saw something turn the corner at the top of the stairs. She only caught sight of their foot as it turned the corner, but there was nobody else in the house. And a third spooky thing that happened was when she was at her mum's funeral, When her and my dad got back home that night, a photo frame was lying face down right in the middle of the living room, nowhere near where it was placed on a bookshelf, with the photo out of the frame and no smashed glass. The photo was of her late mum and dad. Spooky, no? Sorry for the short email. And spooky, yes, actually, Angelus, that's terrifying. And it's interesting, these things where you hear about poltergeists throwing what should be fragile and breakable items, I think, and they don't break. I've heard one, um, a friend of mine was telling me a story about a mirror that had dropped from a wall and it bounced. And it was just like, it was not like it had a casing around it or any sort of protection. It was just um, a glass mirror and he watched it bounce on a laminate floor. It shouldn't do it. It fell off the thing by its own accord apparently and bounced. Anyway, it shouldn't do it. But thank you, Angelus. Even short emails can be terrifying as you've just proven there. Now, our next email comes from good friend of the show from the land down under, Tony. Hello, Tony. Um, Tony's starting a podcast too. And you know what? Forgive me, Tony. I forget the name, but you'll have to remind me what it is. And I will give you a shout out, of course. It's a music podcast because he's a rocker. Yeah, he's a hard rocker. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Um, Okay, so this is Tony's email. And it's called Something at the Bottom of the Stairs and in the Loft. Hi, Kev. Hi. Becca. Hi. And the neighbor's cat. Meow. As I may have said in the past, the house I grew up in was haunted and cursed with bad luck. A lot of things I have already mentioned, the tall clown, the disappearing items. But this next story is more something I thought I'd imagined, but on deep reflection, I did not. The first story involves the ladder at the bottom of my stairs. In the UK, in pre-war housing, often there was a cold storage room. And in our house, it was at the foot of the stairs next to the front door. It had a blue door, and to me... It always had the sense of something not quite right about it. And this is Tony's story. I would always have recurring nightmares about that blue door. The door would open, and a dark mass, which never had any form, 
would climb the stairs and come knocking at my bedroom door. This happened almost every night until I was about 15. I was so scared that I would often sleep downstairs on the sofa, as I thought it would not know where I was. As I said, this could be the overactive imagination of a young boy, but the sense of fear I had of being alone in the house and that little blue door felt very real to me. The second story is about the loft, again a blue hatch entrance to the loft or attic for Americans, which was situated just above my bedroom door on the landing on the second floor. This again may or may not be my imagination, but often the hatch would be open and no one in the family would admit to opening it. The space above also filled me with dread and sadness as I got older. The occasion that put the fear of God in me happened when I think I was about 13 or 12. As time passed on, my memories getting thin on these matters. I was on my own in the house just after school and Dad was at work and Mum was out at the shops. I went upstairs to use the toilet. It was winter and it was dark early. We very rarely had bulbs that worked on the stairs. We had the house rewired but the bulbs would just blow to the point that Dad refused to put them up so we got used to climbing the dark stairs very fast with only the light from the living room to guide and the moonlight coming in from the upper windows. Side note, Dad had all the locks taken off all the doors as he never felt safe if the doors would lock. This story I need to prize from him one day. As I ascended to the top step and in the bathed moonlight at the top of the stairs, something made me look up. That bloody hatch was open again and the blackness within was even darker than the house. What I saw, I saw in a flash, but it seemed like ages. And it was the figure of a small boy leaning out of the hatch. I didn't jump or run, but I made my way to the bathroom. As I went to return to the safety of the light at the bottom of the stairs, I could not look up and almost with muscle memory I jumped two stairs at a time, whilst also not looking at the blue door at the bottom of the stairs. Now Kev, I've not thought of this in 30 years plus. Did I imagine it? Was there a spirit in that small room in the loft? This I don't know, but as I said before, I am sensitive and that house was very, very wrong. Bloody hell, Tony, that's terrifying. Yes, it is indeed. Oh my God, there's something about loft spaces. I don't know if they're they're the same all over the world, where it's kind of just a hatch normally. I know that um, a lot of houses, new builds especially, in the UK now, but especially in America and Australia and stuff, they have these pull-down sort of ladder things. The loft is usable as a space. In the UK, with older houses, like from the 80s and going back, it kind of seemed like it was a very strange thing if you think about it. They would build a house and say, and you've got space in your attic or your loft, but we're going to make it impossible for you to get there, for you to get there without a ladder and a torch. It just seems bonkers why you'd even bother to do that. And if you remember, we had Carla on a few months ago, and she told a story about her and things running around the loft and things banging and pulling a rug from under a bed and all this. And every night she'd look outside, and although they'd fix it back in place each night, Every morning, the loft hatch would be askew, like something had got back in there. Horrible. Anyway, our next email comes in from Denise, and she writes, Hello, Kevin. Hello, Denise. Recently, you aired an old Patreon episode about haunted colleges and universities. Yes, I did. I'm proud to say I'm a graduate of the University of North Texas, and not only do I know about the ghost in Bruce Hall, my roommate, Stephanie, and I both had experiences whilst living there. 
And this is Denise's story. We lived on the fourth floor, one floor below the attic where Wanda supposedly died from a botched abortion. We could see into the attic through the openings around the access doors in the hallway ceiling. And although nobody ever went up there, the lights would turn themselves on and off at random times. Each dorm had two closets separated by a built-in dresser, so each roommate could have their own storage space. The closet doors once had locks on them, but since they were no longer operational, we didn't have the keys. One day, Stephanie's door locked unexpectedly. We tried turning the handle and picking the lock, but nothing worked. We finally had to go to the front desk to see if they had an extra key. Luckily they did, and we were able to get the door open. We thought it was weird, but figured it was just part of living in the oldest hall on campus. To prevent the door from locking again, we taped over the latch in the door frame, but, you guessed it, it locked again. It wasn't until we got the key to open it that we saw the tape hadn't even been broken. Stephanie also had a dream of a young blonde girl sitting on her bed with her arm around Stephanie. My experience with Wanda happened one afternoon. I was in the room alone and taking advantage of my newfound freedom by taking a nap in the middle of the day. I've always had very vivid dreams and moved around in my sleep. One time, I even had a dream I was peeling a banana and woke up with my hands in the air as if I was actually peeling a banana. Anyway, I woke up from this particular nap with the feeling that a hand was over my mouth. My eyes were still closed, but I was sure that I had placed my own hand on my face, and I was grateful that I was in a room alone, so I wouldn't be embarrassed in front of Stephanie. Without moving my arms at all, I slowly opened my eyes and quickly realized both of my arms were down by my sides, but I could still feel the hand over my mouth, as if someone was trying to keep me quiet. I was paralyzed in fear and laid still for what felt like hours, but I'm sure was actually only a minute or two. The sensation slowly went away and I quickly got up and ran out of the room. I didn't return until I was sure Stephanie was back from class. Keep up the great work, and I'm already looking forward to the next season of The Dark Paranormal. Sincerely, Denise. Why, thank you, Denise, and thank you for your terrifying story. Sleep paralysis is one of those things, you know, I've encountered it. As you all know, I've told you many times my astral projection story from when I was 16 years of age, and part of that experience was sleep paralysis, and it's horrible. And you'll only know if you've had it, and you'll know if you've had it. I think a lot of people assume they've had it because they've been a bit sluggish waking up, When you have sleep paralysis, you cannot move. It's the most terrifying thing in the world. You can only move your eyeballs. And after maybe about five, six seconds, you can slowly move a limb. And your body, well, for me anyway, your body becomes covered in... You know when you get a dead arm and you get pins and needles? Um, That's the entirety of your body from your skull to your feet as things start coming back to life. It's the most terrifying thing in the world. It really genuinely is. I mean, apart from ghosts and supernatural stuff, because do you think there's a scientific aspect to um, sleep paralysis? And, you know, we know it's a thing, but it is genuinely terrifying. So my heart goes out to there. So I can only imagine waking up absolutely paralyzed and feeling a hand over your mouth. God, that's awful. So thank you very much. What a wonderful story, Denise. Wonderful in a terrifying way, of course. Our final email today comes in from Kayla, and it's entitled, The Thing That Was Only Legs. Good God. Since I was young, I've always been able to see and hear things that weren't really there. 
My mum's told me of a story when I was two. We were looking at pictures and I pointed to her grandmother, who died before I was born, and said, that's the monster in my room. I've always heard disembodied voices tell me good morning, or it's time to wake up, or move things of that sort. They've always been kind and calm, or keeping me out of harm's way. For example, a voice once told me to move, and then a fan blade fell off the ceiling fan and landed where I'd been prior. Well, that's not the point. These never scared me. No, it wasn't until 2019, when I was 26, that I had the most terrifying experience of my life. I'd been in a pretty bad place mentally, and I think that's why this thing attached itself to me. This is going to sound absolutely asinine, but here it goes. So, the very first time I saw whatever the thing was, it was in the parking lot at work. When I saw it, I mentioned it to my boss. Hey, I think someone in the parking lot's there, and they've went towards the shed. She went and looked, and of course there's nothing there. Okay, whatever. I shrugged it off. Maybe I was seeing things, no big deal. But little did I know... It was a huge deal. That night, I had a dream where dark figures were crawling all over my ceiling and screaming in raspy voices. One, two, Satan's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. When I woke up, my room was darker than normal, an unnatural darkness. It scared me a little, but I shrugged it off. Well, it was just a dream, I thought. The next day at work, I'm folding some boxes and see this thing again at work. I can't even begin to describe what it looked like, but I'll try. It seemed almost like the Hat Man or Shadow Man, but not quite. It was tall, inhumanly tall, and very, very skinny. It was almost only legs. Its face, or lack thereof, was just blackness, no facial features. I shrugged it off again. I was just seeing things, I convinced myself. That night, it invaded my dreams, yet again. This time, it was next to my bed, looking down at me laughing, a deep, raspy laugh. Again, I shrugged it off. And I think this was my biggest mistake. I truly think I pissed it off by not taking it seriously. Again the next day at work, I saw it walking around the dining room, and again, I ignored it. Now, I hadn't told anyone about this, because I was afraid they'd call me insane. That night, I had a dream that this thing took my form, and it was on top of me, choking me. Then it grabbed the cross on my wall and threw it across the room, laughing, and broke it. I woke up crying and screaming. My roommate asked me what the hell was wrong with me, so I explained it to her. She seemed terrified, but still... I didn't take it too seriously. I mean, I've seen these things all my life. It can't be that big of a deal. And it's only strong enough to attack me in the sleeping world. So I should be fine. Oh boy, was I wrong. So wrong. Nothing at work that day. Okay, cool. It's moved on, I thought. Well, letting my guard down was definitely a mistake. That night, it wasn't in my dream. Nope it got strong enough to attack me in the living world. I was sleeping pretty well. Though this thing didn't super bother me, I was petrified to sleep because of these dreams. 
Well, I'm in a deep sleep, and suddenly my bed shakes violently, and I hear a low growl in my ear. I woke up, and my bed was literally halfway across the room. I had three scratches on my arm. I was crying, shaking, the most scared I'd ever been in my life. I knew it was time to take this seriously. I'm not sure why, but I posted on Facebook something along the lines of, I don't really care if people find me crazy anymore. I can't handle this. Here's what's going on. And I put a brief rundown of what was going on. The nightmares, the seeing this entity at work, the moving of the bed, etc. Surprisingly, I got lots of messages and help from people of all walks of life. Someone told me to try saying the 93rd Psalm, out loud until I felt safe. I did, and it seemed to help. I had one more nightmare, and this time the thing had a face and arms and legs. Prior, of course, it was only legs and no feet. I tried my hardest to tell it to go away, that I wasn't afraid anymore, and I was stronger than it, but I could not move my mouth. I tried calling out to deceased loved ones to help me, but I couldn't move or talk. I was completely frozen. It didn't matter, though. My uncle knew I needed him, and he showed up between me and this thing. He looked at it, looked at me, and said, Kayla, I'll be damned if I let that thing hurt you anymore. It seemingly helped. A few days later, I saw this thing at work again. It stood a few feet away from me. I looked at it, shook my head, and said firmly, No, I'm stronger than you now. Go away. You're not welcome here. It left, and I've not seen it since. The thing that had me most scared of this thing is I told it I was a child of God and it couldn't hurt me, and it just laughed and told me it wasn't afraid. I'm still not sure what this thing was and what it wanted from me, but I'm still, almost three years later, terrified to speak of it. Wow. Bloody hell. What a story, Kayla. And, you know, it's interesting because... It must, you must, sorry, have seen Freddy's Nightmare on Elm Street at some point. And I'm not saying that that's completely what's happened there, but maybe you've allowed that to seep into your psychonscious, psychonscious, seep into your subconscious at some point. And um, hence in your dreams when it's doing the one, two, Freddy's coming for you, three, four, better lock your door thing. Um, And then it's took on a life of its own. Terrifying stuff. Thank you very much, Kayla, for sending that in. Don't forget, guys, we still need your stories. So if you, like Kayla, have been sat on a story and you want to send it in, send it in to contact at talkaboutghosts.com and I, of course, will read it out. Right, I'm off to record a Patreon now because I've just found a website full of ghost stories and I'm going to share them on Patreon. If you want to become a Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash we need to talk about ghosts. In the meantime and in between time, as Jeremy Springer said in the mid-90s, style take care of yourselves and each other. Tatty bye.